Hello everyone. It's such a joy to welcome you in a winter month webinar for lipid management, particularly in primary care, though wherever you are in the system, we're thrilled to have your company. And uh, whether you're listening to the recording or if you're uh, here with us live, we're so thrilled you've come. It's been such a popular webinar and we just know how much of an issue and huge thanks to my friend and colleague Raki, who if you are here is going to do a little modest wave who really drove us to or a little modest smile that we really must be doing some work with lipids and um, so uh, it's me Barry I'm going to be uh, supporting you through today along with Raki and also Nicola I think you're going to be very very busy in the chat today and we've done a done a poll so I don't know if the poll is still open, but if you're live and with us, please do have a look at the Slido poll bottom right hand side of your screen. And um, what I'm going to do before I introduce our panellists is just say if you've not done so already, and this is for those who are with us live and you've not put this on the Slido or you've not put it in the chat box, what would be really helpful for you to get out of today's webinar? Some of you have done that already. Nicola's been gathering those up, but that's going to try. We're going to try and help that guide our, our webinar today. We can't answer individual clinical questions about your specific questions, uh, patients. We don't have the time, but we'd love to know what's going to make this good for you. So I'm going to uh, just introduce our lovely panelists and uh, Catherine. Tucker is a senior clinical pharmacist, lipid clinic and integrated tech care team. It's a long one, Catherine. Northumbria Healthcare NHS Foundation Trust and you're a cardiovascular disease medsoc pharmacist in the CVD prevention network in Northeast and North Cumbria Integrated Care Board. Catherine, thank you so much for joining us. I hope I've done justice to your, your title and uh, we'll come to you pretty soon, actually. Claire. Give us a little wave, Claire. It's lovely to have you with us as a senior clinical pharmacist for Wandsbeck PCN in Northumberland. And last, but certainly by no means least, Maxine Richardson, who's a pharmacy technician in the Northwest PCN in Newcastle upon time. Welcome, everybody. It's uh, lovely to have you today, and we're going to get to the chat soon. But Nicola, What's come in the uh, chat so far, and we'll get Catherine's take on that before we get into Raki and the chat. I think we can say that there's quite um, a variety of things have come into the chat, but probably nothing that would be unexpected. Talking about deprescribing statins, when's it appropriate? Um, a link to a patient-friendly resources, because of course we want to be able to encourage and have shared decision-making with our patients. We've got factors to consider when stopping them. Oh, I, oh and I've just seen diabetes always a statin question mark i mean that's just a lovely statement in itself when to use azetamide alone lots and lots of questions there that are coming up that we will just to let everybody know we will capture them all um because this is all really really useful information for us if we can't cover it i think from our slido earlier we had alternatives to statins we had up titrating statins lots of things and maybe Catherine um there's a few people chatting about treatment options in view of at the time of recording the azetamibe shortage recognizing that there's likely to be some national guidance coming out but just some reassurance I think for colleagues on the call about that 
Brilliant. Thank you. And Catherine, please don't worry. We're not going to ask you all these questions today, but hopefully they'll come up in the conversation. But we do want to emphasise that we will take these away and do more work with these. Um, before I hand over to Raki, which I will do in just a moment, we've got some other specialists on the call. Liz, uh, Kavan, thank you for joining us. Uh, you may be contributing your own perspectives as specialists uh, in the chat box, but it's high time, Raki, that I hand it over to you. And just before you engage in conversation with Catherine, just tell us just briefly, what is it that got you with your background? Maybe introduce yourself to get us doing this, this well attended webinar today. Thanks, Barry. So I'm a primary care pharmacist. I work in ICB in the Birmingham. And I think what's really got me passionate about this area is listening to people in the ground. So I work with work within a practices and I hear people in the, the background talking about lipids, managing those patients that don't fit in the box. That's, um, you know, how do we manage those patients? How do we how do we look at what alternatives do we have? Is it statin intolerance? Is it real statin intolerance? Or is it actually they're anxious about the possible side effects that they might receive? So, yeah, it's made me really passionate and, and really excited to be here today to um, have our specialists um, and generalists on the on the on the call with us to provide and offer their 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 input. Great. Okay. Well, take it away. I'm going to turn my camera off. If you need me, just call me back. I'll be here. Thanks, Raki. Perfect. Thanks. Thank you ever so much. So, Catherine, uh, lovely to have you here today. Um, really excited to have you here. Um, I guess I'm going to get that right down to it, really. I just wanted to know, how how do we deliver? How does primary care deliver the lipid section of cloth? So this year we've got a real opportunity to um, contribute to the cholesterol work. And there are two specific targets, as I'm sure everybody's aware. Um, one is looking at people on the um, secondary prevention registers and making sure that they're prescribed a statin. And then the second uh, target is to um, treat people to target. So uh, secondary prevention patients um, are looking for a target of non-HDL less than 2.5. And the reason why this is, um, you know, a great piece of work to do right now is that we've got a number of new medications um, that can lo uh, lower lipids and um, can be used in primary care. So this is a, you know, a great time for us to be involved. And um, the work is kind of protocol driven so that the key document here is the NHS Lipid Management, um, NHS England Lipid Management Pathway. Brilliant. Thanks, Catherine. And um, where do we start with managing those difficult patients? The, the statin intolerant patients or statin hesitancy, for example? Yeah, so it's really important to have those conversations with patients. We've got the new guidelines um, available to us to support the decision making. So, as I've just mentioned, the NHS England lipid management pathway, but there's also um, an NHS England statin intolerance pathway. And again, these are really nice documents that are kind of one page summaries that talk you through and um, the different aspects of um, you know, lipid management. Um, when we've got complex patients, you know, it's important to work through the, the flow chart and the document. And if you're still struggling, you know, speak to your GP colleagues or um, please send in an advice and guidance to your local lipid clinic. There, there is, you know, help available out there. Brilliant. Thank you, Catherine. And 
Claire, if you don't mind me asking, um, you know, you, you see patients. What, what are your thoughts on what Catherine's, um, Catherine's said and what on what needs to be done? Yeah, I think it's, you know, it's no doubt a, a big bit of work in, in primary care. You know, there's an ever, ever changing sort of list of targets and things and, and lipids is, is one of those really. Um, I mean, I think certainly, you know, locally within my sort of practice and in my PCN, we're making sort of steady progress with it, but it is definitely still a work in progress. Um, it's becoming more of a focus now as we sort of get into the last quarter of the year and, you know, we're trying to sort of look at those missing patients and things and, and, and continue work on that really. And what kind of support do you feel has been needed to kind of, kind of get you there? Um, I think it's sort of, um, I mean, everything that's Catherine said, really, there's the sort of the, the things around the guidelines, um, which is really clear. We've got a really good local guideline as well as the sort of the NHS England guideline um, and sort of, you know, the help and support from the hospital colleagues and things as well. And just sort of getting ahead around all the new treatments and, and putting that into practice, really. Brilliant. Thank you ever so much, Claire. I'll hand back to Barry at this point. Great, thank you. So, um, Catherine, really helpful to know the big strategic sort of view of the importance, looking at, at what the guidance says and, and following that. Nicola, can I bring you in? Because the chat box has just been so busy. Um, how do you think we should do this? Because we can do it in a couple of ways. We could actually just start looking before we move on to the next part of Raki's chat to so just start picking off some of these in the chat box. But I'll be guided by you. This is an absolute corker of a chat box and don't let that stop anybody putting questions in. As I say, we might not be able to cover everything, but it's really helpful to know. I think that it might be helpful while I'm continuing to still work out what we've got. But there's quite a little bit on factors to consider when stopping statins in elderly patients. A little bit about de-prescribing. Um, maybe that's something that some of the more tricky bits, perhaps Catherine, Claire, you could, um, Maxine, you could chat about that for a bit for us. Certainly, I can I can take that one. Um, so in reference, you use the NHS England lipid management pathway. Um, we know that first, the first thing to do is determine if somebody needs primary prevention treatment or secondary prevention treatment. If um, in the in the guideline it on the primary prevention uh, part, it talks about um, considering whether you um, need a statin if somebody's over age of 85. So, so basically there's, there's not much evidence in that patient group and the decision very much comes down to an individual patient by patient um, discussion. Um, we know that the starting primary prevention treatment is based on a Q risk score, which is gives us an idea of somebody's um, risk of having a heart attack over the next 10 years. And that may or may not be appropriate for the 85 year old patient who's sat in front of you. It, it may be that they're not on any other medication and that they absolutely want to start a statin, and in which case that's fine. It may be that they're not mobile, they're in a nursing home and you know, the 10 year risk assessment is, is perhaps not as appropriate. So certainly in primary prevention, there is a discussion to be had there. With secondary prevention, 
um, which is on the other side of the NHS England Lipid Management Pathway document, you, you're at a much greater risk of having, if you've already had a heart attack, you're at a much greater risk of having another heart attack. Um, and so again, it does come down to an individual uh, patient conversation, um, but if secondary prevention is required, then they're at a much greater risk. So you, so you need to take that into consideration if you're thinking about stopping the statin. So I, it is a complex scenario, but, but there is, um, you know, have a look at the guideline first, have a chat with the patient, and then if you need further help, you know, speak to your GP, speak to your local lipid clinic. I'll come in there if I if I may. Claire, have you have you had any patients recently that have been more challenging where you've been able either to use the guidance or you've had to ask for help? And 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 I think people on the call would just love to know how how in practice on you know at the coal face you're you're practically managing these these difficult ones. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, you can have sort of every guideline in the world, but patients don't always fit fit guidelines, do they? So, um, you know, there's there's Catherine will vouch for this is quite often patients where, you know, I'll I'll be getting in touch with Catherine and sort of asking for her advice, you know, either whether it's something with their triglycerides that's high and, you know, I'm not quite sure how to manage that, or, you know, whether they just don't quite fit the criteria, you know, not quite within the guidelines, or, you know, some sort of past condition where you're worried about using a statin or all that sort of thing. So there's there's always kind of difficulties to navigate really. Um, I mean, the guidelines are pretty thorough. So, you know, there often is, you know, it's not something that you always know off the top of your head, but you usually can find the answers in there somewhere. Um, but if not, it's it's really good to know, you know, where to go for, for these. Yeah. Love, an, love an example, maybe one, if you can remember where Claire, you know, just to give people a flavour of, oh, I was really struggling with that because I think then people think, well, ah, oh, that's the sort of time I'd go to a Catherine or or, or to a, to another special. Don't worry if you can't remember, but I know people would love it if there's one that, that sticks in your mind. Yeah, um, there's, there's probably lots really. I just think another one on the spot. There's one um, patient, which I know people have probably had many times where, you know, they're, they're really sort of against statins because they've had a really bad experience with them um there was a patient recently where he was really high risk he'd had a recent heart attack um he'd had statins in the past but wasn't taking them because they caused him such bad side effects and had such a huge impact on his quality of life you know that the time they'd caused him such muscle pains and, and problems and things that he wasn't able to get out on his bike he was a keen cyclist and wasn't able to do all the things he wanted to do um, obviously, that was then refocused, having had, you know, a recent heart attack and, you know, he was talked to about statins and he was put on a statin, but was sort of, you know, choosing not to take it because of those those issues. So, you know, picking that up and and then, you know, talking to him about sort of all the, the new treatments and things and, you know, and seeing what he would like to do and what sort of fitted in with, with his sort of lifestyle best, really. Um, I think in the early days of those sort of patients, I was asking for Catherine's advice around, you know, trying to build up confidence with new medicines and when to use them and things. Um, but once that sort of has, has built and, you know, we're sort of a little bit more confident now on, on when to the, use those uh, ourselves in primary care. So so that was a patient who we, we ended up starting on in Clisseran and so far I think has, has tolerated it well. So. Yeah, yeah, and we're going to talk come to Inclisaran perhaps a bit bit later on. And 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 Catherine, how how did you support 
Claire, what sort of nuggets and words of wisdom in terms, you know, because we're talking about making a clinical decision here, aren't we? And, and trying to make a choice. How, how did you facilitate that for Claire? The, the really key thing is is to listen and to the patient and try and understand things from their point of view. So thinking about, um, you know, maximising your consultation skills and using shared decision making um, skills, it's really important to think about the patient's ideas and concerns and what their expectations are from the treatment. As, as Claire said, the, the gentleman had had a heart attack and that actually refocused um, his priorities. So, um, it's really important for us as healthcare professionals to listen to the patient and you know there are lots of times that we speak to patients and they they don't want to take a statin mm. and and everybody's got different reasons why but but it's important for us to unpick those reasons and actually be able to um explain the risks and benefits for each individual so i, I guess one of the key things is uh, well there's two key things for us to know the evidence and understand the risks and benefits of each treatment but then we need to know how to explain that to the patient in the individual patient who's sitting in front of you um so so for this gentleman that claire was talking about you know he tried a couple of statins um you know it really affected his quality of life in terms of affecting his ability to cycle and actually enjoy life so actually, you know, in this situation, um, in Clisran was was a different option, a new option that we could try. It works in a different way to the statins. He's still going to get the lipid lowering that that he needs. And mm. um, Raki, I know I'm keeping you waiting, but we just seem to be on a bit of a roll here. And Catherine, if that's all right for you, so in Clisran has come up in our conversation. Um, and also in the chat box, and we were going to talk about it later, but now might actually be a good opportunity, if that's all right with you, just to pick up on that. So we've had one from Nigel in the chat box, and all he's written, Nigel, thank you, is in Clisseran, question mark. So as a good generalist, I'm going to pass that to you, Catherine, as the specialist. What's the deal with in Clisseran? So, inclisiran is a new injectable treatment that can lower lower your cholesterol. Um, it's included in the NHS England Lipid Management Pathway. So, the, the key document, if you if you Google that, Nigel, that'll that'll give you an introduction. There's also a nice guideline with lots of detail about inclisiran. It works in a completely different way to the statins. Um, I'm not going to the mechanism, but it's completely different different side effects. It's a really great option for people um, who need secondary prevention. So it's um, the NICE guideline tells us it's only to be used in secondary prevention when somebody's um, experienced intolerance to multiple statins and also their LDL um, is above 2.6 um, threshold. So so it's a great it's a new medication. It's an injectable medication um, and a great option for those who are intolerant of statins. Brilliant. <clears throat> Thank you. I'm going to come to you in just a minute, Raki, because I'd love to know if there's anything that's caught your eye in the chat that we might want to put to Catherine. But before I do, Claire, have you had much um, to do with Inclisaran in your practice? Yeah, I think it's it's definitely been increasing, I would say, over this last year or so. Um, I think within our PCN, there was some sort of reluctance initially when it first came out, obviously with any kind of new drug or new medicine that, you know, the GPs have been expected to prescribe. Um, you know, it's 
there was that, that side of it, known about, you know, the, the medication, but also the time and resources required to give an injection and, you know, have all that in place within the practice. Um, we have sort of managed to overcome that a bit with education around it and, you know, seeing the benefits and its place in therapy and things. And obviously with the new quaff targets as well, you know, it's, it's helpful towards those if there, if there is people who can't tolerate other treatments. Um, so it's definitely in, increasing. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's really useful for that cohort of patients who they are really high risk and mm -hmm. you know, they might be quite far off the lipid target, but can't tolerate the other treatments. And, you know, otherwise <laughs> there wouldn't be that option. And also yeah. people who... who she, you know, there's a lot of patients who have chosen that and prefer that over taking it yet another daily tablet on top of everything else they're already taking. You know, they then don't have to remember that every day and, and that's a, a better option for them if, if it's suitable, obviously, and they're eligible. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's definitely taken off. Yeah, that's really helpful. I was going to ask you about um, risk and, and Liz, one of our specialists on the call today, has put some useful stuff in the chat uh, about that. And 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 Kavan has also, Kavan, sorry, I'm really trying to get this right today, has written a really nice little piece in the chat box about um, deprescribing. Um, so please do have a look at that. But Raki, let's bring you back in. Um, we think at some point, not necessarily now, we should be. Nicola is is thinking we should cover LFTs and, and statins, but we can do that a bit later. But what's caught your eye that we might want to put to the panel? I think the use of a benpidoic acid or and or fibrates. So their place in therapy really. So what what are your thoughts, Catherine? And so benpidoic acid, again, another um, newer product and again, governed by NICE guidelines. Um, the benpidoic acid is recommended um, to be used. So the NICE guideline tells us it's recommended um, to be used when people are intolerant of statins. Um, the way that it works, it has less muscular side effects. So if somebody is struggling with muscular side effects with a statin, um, we can stop the statin, start um, benpidoic acid. However, it does need to be used with azetamibe. So, um, yeah, in combination with azetamibe, it, it gives a different um, option as an alternative to a statin. And, and actually, together, benpidoic acid and azetamibe can give us about a 40% reduction in cholesterol. So, so it is a good alternative to a statin. Um, you mentioned fibrates there. Yeah. So uh, fibrates, we, we know to reduce cholesterol, the um, first line agent is a statin. Um, historically, people have used fibrates. Um, fibrates are still used if somebody's triglycerides are high, um, but they're not as good. So the very fibrates are very good at reducing triglycerides, but they're not as good as other medications at reducing the overall cholesterol so there is a place but it but it may be that you need to review um people who are on fibrates and just check why why they're using it thank you thank you ever so much Catherine. i'm going to <clears throat> go to maxine if that's okay barry ah. um so maxine i went to clinical pharmacy congress um a, f uh, a few weeks ago and I uh, heard some information around some hypertensive patients that um, were managed by pharmacy technicians. And just wondered if your what your thoughts were on if this could be done in a lipid management. So, yeah, I mean, within my role within um, the GP surgery that I work at, 
Um, I have like a weekly clinic, which mostly consists of telephone calls at the moment. Um, and it is basically, it is all to do with lipid management. So sometimes it can be if there's been an intolerance. Um, sometimes it's secondary prevention, so trying to get them to that target. Um, and other times it is um, just simply for lifestyle advice. So ringing a patient and giving them that advice on trying to bring that cholesterol down. Thank you. Um, uh, Catherine, how, how about how about locally for you? Is there do you are you working alongside pharmacy technicians um, in 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 the work that you're kind of doing? Yeah. So the the reason why I met Maxine was kind of through the project work that we were doing. So um, from the lipids clinic at North Tyneside Hospital, um, we um, started to do some work with our primary care colleagues about. Uh, optimising lipids and also um, FH case finding, so looking for people with familial hypercholesterolemia, so those who've got a genetic cause of high cholesterol. And Maxine was one of the first people I spoke to and her and her PCN colleagues. And um, it, it, it's fantastic the work that Maxine's doing. It's the thing with this lipid optimization work is that it's enormous. It's, you know, a massive piece of work. There's so many people out there that need optimization that we really do need the whole team to be involved. Um, Maxine has, has developed um, a lipid um, clinic and health check clinic. So I, I'm not sure if you mentioned there, Maxine, but Maxine's also done phlebotomy training. So um, the practices are, are really busy and inundated with, with um, you know, lots of people. And, and Maxine's developed a new role where she can actually um, look for people who need optimising, but part of that is actually people haven't had bloods taken. And so to help her work, you know, you, you've developed those skills. I don't know if you want to tell us a bit more about the blood testing role that you've got, Maxine, or, or how you use that in your clinic. Yeah, so um, if, a, if a patient is, if, if we know that based off acute risk, sometimes that a patient needs to have a statin, but we just kind of need that initial blood test for things like LFTs. Um, you know, kind of some baseline bloods. We'll quite often. I'll just bring them in. I'll have the initial chat with them about potentially starting on a statin, and we'll do the blood test at that point. Just saves that extra appointment. It just means that then they're getting to do that. And um, what's also quite nice is that when they come back for their three monthly bloods, it's nice to see them, and it's nice to have that chat about, you know, if they've been able to tolerate the statin. Quite often, they won't always ring you to let you know, but when you actually go into it and you bring them in for that chat. Quite often they will tell you at that point that there's something going on and maybe they've just been feeling a bit unwell with it. And yeah, it's good nice to have that consistency, I think, with with the patients. That's, that's great. And the really um, sorry, sorry. Sorry. sorry, sorry, sorry. Um the really nice the really nice thing about the, all this work is that it's protocol driven and it, you know, as the pharmacy team, we're the experts in medication and we we you know, we we know. We can have that chat with patients about the medication, the risks and the benefits, um, but also the lifestyle um, options that, that perhaps some people need to consider. So it, it's great for, for the whole pharmacy team to be involved in, in this work and actually signposting people to um, having those conversations and signposting people to the, the things that they need. I took the words right out of my mouth, Catherine. I was going to ask that question. I was going to ask. You know, Maxine, are you involved in those conversations about healthy lifestyle, about, you know, what kind of conversations are you having with patients? Because I think information, you know, often you're in a, a, a consultation which can, can be quite short. So how do you how, how do you kind of manage those those things? And um, 
Yeah, I mean, for a lot of the time, the appointments are only 15 minutes. So I kind of have a bit of a structure where I tend to go through things like I ask them about their lifestyle. We go through things like whether or not they smoke, whether or not they drink alcohol. And um, we also look at their diet in general. But what's really, really important that we ask about the family history. So I think unless you ask a patient quite often, that just kind of gets missed out as well. And I do think that obviously asking that family history and and what there is there does have an effect on whether or not we do prescribe to patients as well, doesn't it? Um, but yeah, it, it can sometimes be a little bit tight. So sometimes we, um, I kind of tend to say to them, you know, there's lots of things online. So the NHS website, the Heart UK websites, they're all really, really good. And they've got lots of useful information for lifestyle. So it's quite nice to direct them off to there if they need any information about that as well. Brilliant. Thanks, Maxine. I will hand over to Barry and Nicola at this point. Yeah. So. Oh, go on, go on, Nicola. Oh, Barry, let me let me come in because I've um I've been waiting patiently. There's loads coming up in the chat. Um, I was just going to say we're nowhere near going to be able to cover all of it. There's been some suggestions for Q and A document. There's been other, um that people would like. What we normally do at the end is I will theme it all, and then I'll have a look and see what's the best way of providing this information. So it might be that we have a quick fire Q and A with Catherine. Um, either either as a podcast or maybe as a little series of them, or it might be that we produce some articles, but leave us with us, leave it with us. Also, I think some people have been putting in some quite specific questions about specific patients. Um, those are not so easy for us to cover in this sort of scenario, but we'll have a look and see what we can do for some of the general things. Question that um, is sitting at the bottom of my little bit of a page here from Emma Ball wanted to know, she says she's curious. She's curious how patients with hemorrhagic stroke should be managed as they appear on the quaff cholesterol searches. But from her understanding is that statins may not be indicated. So that's one for you, Catherine. Hemorrhagic stroke and appearing on a quaff cholesterol search. Yeah, so hemorrhagic stroke would be considered to be primary prevention um so you need to actually assess what what the key risk is um we consider ischemic strokes to be secondary prevention and that's what comes into the um, nhs england um guidelines um i'm just trying to think of specific information about that i've had this query before um, it, a statin isn't contraindicated in hemorrhagic stroke. However, you, you probably you might need to get um, additional information about the specific patient to decide whether a statin is appropriate. Um, I'm trying to think what I spoke to a stroke consultant about this recently, and I'm trying to think what information he said. Um, always pick it up in 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 the Q and A later, Catherine. If you want, to yeah, see. you're not sure. Yeah, that's a minute. Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. That's that's not a problem. Because I think there's, I mean, loads of people are putting information in the chat, which is really helpful. But it is about the patient choice, isn't it? As well, that's one of the the challenges that we have. Some um. Somebody's asked, how are you advising patients to start statins when their cholesterol is fine, but their Q risk is over 10%? So when that doesn't add up. So the guidelines tell us if your Q risk is over 10%, then, then we would recommend a statin uh, treatment. Um, 
I'm just trying to think of an example if I've come across that. Um, certainly, we would go ahead with a statin and yep. uh, try and explain the risks to the patient, uh, work through. So the Q risk is, is a specific calculator. There's different elements that come into that. And it would be a case of just having an open conversation with the patient and explaining, you know, we've put your details into the calculator. The Q risk has come out greater than 10%. The guidelines say start a statin. We know starting a statin will reduce your risk. Um, yeah, I guess that would. That's sometimes one of the more difficult ones that I come across as well. When you people, it's getting people to understand that you know it, it's based on risk and not just cholesterol, because that's what patients think that it is. That we're just looking at the cholesterol. You know, why was I started on this when my cholesterol is normal? Um, that's often something that that I get as well asked, and it's kind of taking the time to explain it all about the the overall risk, which sometimes is quite difficult for for patients to understand and to grasp really to. Yeah, sometimes, sorry, I was just going to say, sometimes I get the opposite. So I get um, somebody with very high cholesterol, but the Q risk is very low. So it may be that yeah. they're quite young um, and it looks as though they, sh they sh you know, should should take a statin, but actually the Q risk is very low. And in, that, in those situations, you need to think about um, different elements of risk, cardiovascular disease risk that are not considered within this within the Q risk calculator. So things like family history. Uh, whether somebody's got, um, you know, different uh, chronic illnesses that would contribute to um, to their risk. So the Q risk three calculator brings in more of those risks, but always, um, you know, consider try and consider all the risks that that would um, contribute. Oh, thank you, Catherine. I think that's really helpful. And Claire, you you summed it up quite neatly, actually. About it, it is the the message that patients are getting. Um, from some um, areas, it's about how we work with that and um, talk to them about what matters in that way. Catherine and actually Claire, one for both of you before I go back to let Raki and Barry go from. But somebody's asked, when do I refer to a lipid clinic? So when might Catherine or even Claire, when might you think, actually, this is somebody who needs to be referred? Yeah, I mean, Catherine will probably know better, but from my point of view, there's, there's in the guidelines, there's, you know, if their LDL is above a certain level and they're above a certain risk level, then they are eligible for other treatments that can only be prescribed from secondary care. So if that's something that the patient would be interested in, then that's one um, time we would refer. Um, there's other times that sort of if their cholesterol is so high and we're looking at things like familial hypercholesterolemia um, assessment for that, then that's another time if they meet, you know, if they've got family history and they meet the criteria, then we'd refer for that as well. Um, also, just if we're a bit stuck and, you know, like I say, people don't always meet the guidelines. There's always the option of asking for advice and guidance if you're just not sure what, what's the best option or where to go, really. Yeah, the only thing I would add to that is um, if somebody's triglycerides are very high, um, or if you think they might have familial hypercholesterolemia, so we're doing a lot of work at the moment on a national level, or, or it was certainly uh, in the DES IIF targets last year, um, to look for people who might meet the Simon Broom criteria. So if somebody's cholesterol is greater than 7.5 and they have a family history of cardiovascular disease, um, in particular heart attacks below the age of 60, we really want to see those those patients in particular. So somebody that you think meets the Simon Broom criteria, and and as Claire says, any anyone else, if if you've got any queries, if they've tried multiple statins or if they're struggling with treatment, 
you know, advice and guidance is, is a great way to go. Thanks. I'm going to ask. Shall, shall I come in, uh, Nicola, and and just help help us just to pause and catch breath. It's uh, uh, over halfway through the webinar now. I think we're probably going to make it well in time. We might even finish a little bit early because we're not going to cover everything. But Catherine, we're really putting you through your paces uh, today, and we're not quite done yet. There's more that we would like to do before we go, but I, I think it's fair to say for all of you who have come today, thank you so much for all you've put in the chat box, and we are going to, to gather gather things up. Raki, I just wanted to ask you a question before you sort of come back and maybe put anything that you'd like to to the panel. When you thought of doing this webinar, I don't know whether you've got this from the chat, but it's like lots of what ifs, lots of wrestling with making decisions, lots of this isn't actually straightforward. Although we've got a really good picture that the guidance is good and that it's comprehensive, that, and I might ask you this, Claire, as well, is that this is something that gets the brain going as you try and make appropriate decisions for your patients. I'll come to you in a minute, Claire, with that question. But Raki, is that is that is that fair? Is that a fair observation that I've come up with? I, I would say so. I would say, I mean, I personally don't see patients, but I sit, sit in rooms next to pharmacists that are seeing patients and you no one fits you know no very few patients fit tidily into a box and some of the, the the questions that are coming up in the chat box have been really really interesting like you said they're not straightforward they're what if or but this you know my patient this so it's it's a com it's a complicated area yet such an important area for us to look at um i'll, I'll bring claire in who sees patients claire what are your thoughts yeah, I mean, everyone is is complicated and everyone's different. I think the first thing sort of, you know, to before I speak to a patient is to have a really good look through the notes and sort of establish all the facts and work out, you know, first of all, are there primary or secondary prevention? Um, you know, what have they been offered a statin before? What, you know, have they ever tried a statin before? Have they had any side effects to, to these medicines before? Um, you know, look at their a thorough look through their past history to see what are your treatment options, what are they eligible for, you know, and have a, a good look through that and then you kind of know where you stand for, for having a, a patient-centered discussion with them really and exploring that more with them and sort of trying to work out you know what their concerns are and what their you know what their priorities are really you know and going through the, the risks and benefits of all the options um but i think definitely one of the things that you know as sort of pharmacy professionals we probably don't appreciate enough is the impact on, on a patient of taking a, a tablet every day when you know they don't feel any better for it and they don't notice the benefit and um, you know we understand that and we're you know trying to put, get them to, to take these things but you know they've got potential for side effects but they don't always feel better when they're taking it so that's always a, a difficult one to to get across as well thank, thank you ever so much claire and if i may barry i just had another question if you don't mind Claire, for um, me, me posing to you. Uh, one of the things that came up in the chat, which really uh, kind of stuck with me is, um, you you mentioned you're using Clisteran, um, and someone's asked, how, how, how have you persuaded your practice? You know, how did you give them confidence that it's okay to use in Clisteran in, in primary care? Um, well, my practice that I mainly work in um, didn't really have a problem with it. I think they were sort of okay with it when they, you know, they. Um, I think it's very sort of individual practice and, you know, GP based really on, on how they felt about it. But we did have 
Um, at that time, there was, you know, there was reps around who were coming in and doing education sessions with practices. So kind of, you know, um, made sure that, you know, everyone was sort of going to those, but also, you know, that they were getting the, the right information. And we had the um, consultant from the local trust came and did education sessions as well with the practice. And I think all of that and, you know, making the practice see the benefits of it and its place in therapy and things and has definitely helped to, with the, the confidence thing. And I think having good relationships with your your local lipid clinic as well, you know, if you do have any problems or any any issues that you know that you can get advice and things is also helpful. Thank you ever so much, Claire. I'll hand back to Barry. Thanks, Raki. So we're going to move gently towards the end of, of, of our time together. I, I, just so you know, Catherine, I'm going to sort of ask you a specialist to specialist question in a minute about reluctance of GPs to prescribe um, statins. So just to give you a flavour of that and and a couple of other things as well. But Maxine, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really encouraged. I don't know whether you spotted this, that um, Jenny put in the chat box is that she's a tech and holds her own lipid clinics and initiates lipid lowering therapy medicines for patients and Jay said the Willow Group in Gosport down south have started a tech groups talk to patients, very successful in uppercase. I mean, let's, let's, let's bang the drum for pharmacy technicians, Maxine. What is it about your skill set that can really help you make such good contribution as um, Jenny and um, Jane have described? Yeah, I mean, I think it's definitely good that there's a lot of support there. I think it's really important to obviously have that support from the pharmacist as well. Um, I don't know how everybody else has felt, but I mean, I've felt as if there's not really been too many barriers in terms of in general practice. Like everybody's quite open to let us have these conversations with patients. And, you know, as as Catherine said earlier about doing things like ANGs to the lipid clinic. Um, I think as long as we are following the guidance and as long as we're well aware about what we're telling patients, what, you know, then I think that there's, there's not really any issue with us doing those and, you know, having that, having those chats with the patients. Yeah, yeah, no, that's really, really helpful. And um, going back to the Inclisaran, because we'll, we'll cover that off and then uh, I'm going to come back to you, uh, Catherine, for these other questions. Inclisaran, a couple of things that have come up. Um, but, I mean, there's a lot of controversy. We're seeing that in the chat box today uh, uh, about that. And Harvina talked about GPs who are reluctant to prescribe. But one practical one that's come up, Claire, Catherine, I don't know if you can help us with this one. Patients administering their own inclisaran. What, what's the deal with that? So the SPC, if you look at the SPC, it's not actually licensed for patient administration. It specifically says um, for administration by a healthcare professional. Right. So uh, we're limited. Yeah. Yeah. That. Um, yeah. You may. Um, having an individual conversation with an individual patient, perhaps your patient is an ex nurse, or I, I don't, uh, I don't know. But in terms of licensing indication, it's it says it's licensed to be used by a healthcare professional, um, and that's in um, comparison to, for example, the PCSK9 injections, which are available through the um, hospital lipid clinics. Those are specifically designed. Um, as self-administration pens, so those are a single-use auto-injector, which are very easy to use. Um, the way that Inclisaran comes, it, it's um, 
not in the same formulation. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's that's really helpful. And you know, we've got to just go with the the obvious. And if people are taking in, in, in initiatives, then uh, that that's really. Um, for, for your local practice to determine what you're going to do uh, there. Yeah. So um, we're going to just pause because Emma, our lovely administrator, is putting a poll up. We'd love to know how you found today. Uh, we're not quite done yet. Going to carry on for another sort of five minutes or so. Going to give you a little bit of time back. But please be honest because we've really tried to respond to the chat box. Um, we're going to commit to doing some more um, with uh, with the, what you've put in there. But please, can I urge you to put some uh, responses to the poll that's in there? Um, Raki, I think you wanted to respond to something that Fiona put in the chat box. Absolutely. So, um, Catherine, um, I just wanted to ask you. So, uh, Fiona's put from a, for a PCN that's been a bit slow on jumping on on board and limited time left with regards to Quaff. Um, what or how do you recommend they prioritise their efforts, primary or secondary prevention, and those not on a statin or those below target? So, the higher risk group of patients are those on who, who require secondary prevention and who've got the highest non-HDL levels. So um, that would be my priority. The, it's call two, so treating people to target, trying to get that non-HDL less than 2.5. There's some great searches out there. So you've got your quaff, how, how am I driving um, searches on, on your clinical systems, but sometimes those can return quite a large number of patients. So there's other searches available from CDRC or Ardens or UCL partners, which just help to break down that list and, and, and give you a smaller list of people with higher secondary function, higher non-HDLs. Brilliant, thank you ever so much. But don't panic, I guess, you know, any anybody that you can optimise is fantastic and, and don't panic, just, just keep going, you're doing a really good job. It is difficult, I guess, because the, the call 002 is the one that's sort of time dependent, isn't it? So we've only, I guess these things take three months to work. So for this year's quaff, you've only got really this month to kind of make those those changes, which I guess is not why it, it feels a little bit late to be to be doing anything with it. But it's 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 going to be an ongoing bit of work, isn't it? So it's something we always need to to focus on and and to keep sort of chipping away at. And um, the call zero zero one is the one that I'm sort of focusing on at the minute, um, and trying to make sure that we're we're getting the missing patients. So those patients who've already had an L, we sort of do long term condition reviews. As per birth month in my practice and um, so we're, we're trying to sort of pick up on those that have had their long-term condition review this year but still aren't missing the the quaff target so that they're not going to have that opportunity and we're having to track you know by as part of their annual review so we're having to sort of pick up those separately so that's the, the bit of work that i'm focusing on at the minute amazing thank you claire that's really helpful to share Thanks, Rocky. And uh, what's lovely before I bring Nicola in is that you're all helping each other in the chat. Um, really, really pleased you're sharing resources, you're making links. This is our own little mini community of practice going on today. Keep it going. We'll uh, try and be a part of that with you after the webinar. Um, Nicola, what have you got? Well, I was going to say absolutely that, Barry, that that's fantastic that everybody's doing that. But just one thing I thought, um, uh, probably for, for all our pa panellists, because there's a couple of pharmacy technicians have just put in the chat box, what if you work in a practice without a pharmacist? And if you've not got a pharmacist for support, as a pharmacy technician, 
what would your starting point be for lipid clinics, etc. So, um, Maxine, perhaps you might like to uh, give some helpful hints and tips for your colleagues. And again, Claire and Catherine, if there's anything that you think that because um, it would be it would be great to think that pharmacy technicians could start um, and work on their when they're working on their own without a pharmacist on this. Maxine. Yeah, I mean, it, again, like I say, a lot of it's just the guidance. I think um, Catherine had mentioned about the statin intolerance pathway, and that's one that I use all of the time. Um, it's really, really helpful. So that's something I always look at. And also there's a um, nice guidance, which is like cardiovascular risk over 10%. That's a really, really helpful one. So if it was looking specifically at guidance, that's where I would look at. But it's, it's, there's other people that you can use as well. You know, we've got ANPs, GPs. It's not all just has to be the pharmacist as well. You know, there's lots of different prescribers. So having that sort of anybody there that you can go to with things like that's also quite helpful. Thank you, Maxine. That's really helpful. Catherine, do you've you look like you've something to add? Yeah, just as Maxine says, um, you know, make use of the people around you. Different practices have got different people in place. So um, you know, you've got the nurse prescribers, you've got the GPs. Um, talk to them, have that conversation with the people in your practice and say, look, I can talk to people about their medication, about lipid lowering, about lifestyle options. This is what I can do. You know, pharmacy technicians have got skills and tell people what they are. Tell them the patients that you want to see and that you can, you that as a pharmacy technician, you can really contribute to this piece of work. But tell people don't always know what you what you can do. So have that conversation with the people around you. That's really helpful. Thank you. I'm just going to come in here, Barry, if that's OK, because I can just see loads of email addresses go flying past me in the chat box and a little comment from Afi going help organizers. So, yes, Afi will be in touch. We'll work out how to make sure that we can do this as simply and efficiently as possible for everybody, um, because this does seem like uh, something that everybody does want to share and we'll um, uh, work. We'll, we'll we'll make it work for that for you. For yeah, that. One, th one thing we could do, if you're happy with this as well, uh, Afi and, and Nicola, is when we email everybody to say the recording's available, we can just attach that Afi to the email so that everybody gets it. So uh, Afi, if you could just put in a note in the inbox and uh, Afi, big thank you. Yeah, okay. <laughs> um, so if you could just email uh, uh, one of us, Emma, if you could put, or Raki actually, if you could put my email address in the uh, chat box for Afi and then uh, we can we can do that. Uh, Nicola, anything else before I begin to, to, to bring us to a close? Other than thank you to everybody who's put resources in. I'll capture those to share as well. All those links for everybody. And yes, the recording will be shared. And I think, Raki, we've been talking about um, turning these recordings into podcasts as well. And I think we'll try that for this one. So if I could direct people who want to listen back, you don't have to do it in front of a screen. We will upload this to our podcast channel on SoundCloud, which you can access via the SPS web website as well. Brilliant. I'm going to finish by asking a specialist specialist question to Catherine from Liz, who's another specialist. I'm going to ask you to be brief, Catherine, but a bit, a bit of a tough one. Liz wants to know why are GPs so reluctant to prescribe statins or lipid lowering therapy in general? Any ideas? I think historically um, people were put on statins and left on statins 
but now the guidelines have very much changed to treat to target. So um, I guess there's been an update. Um, we, you know, uh, statins are uh, used for prevention. Often GPs are, are trying to um, treat acute acute things. So um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I guess we just need to make people aware of the newer medications and revisit some of those statin um, prescriptions from the past. Brilliant, thank you. And I'm going to finally, Nick, I'm going to call you back if I may. I'm going to go around the panel and I'm going to ask you for in one sentence, one thing that struck you from either the chat, maybe a theme or from the conversation, what's really struck you today from our panellists? Raki, I'm going to start with you. I think, one thing. I think one, one thing that's really struck me is just the variation of the Inclisaran across the patch, across across you know um and actually it's been really nice that everyone's helping um everyone with the, those kinds of issues great thank you maxine one one sentence what struck you today i can't really i can't believe that that many people have actually logged on to watch it <laughs> <laughs> looking at the numbers <laughs> um, Brilliant. yeah i think it's been really really interesting because i think even how obviously i mean claire's a pharmacist as well but claire obviously works totally differently to what um we work within our pcm so i think it's nice as you say to hear how other people are working as well right great thank you claire briefly what struck you I think just how similar everyone's issues and questions are, like, you know, reading the brief bits that I've seen in the chat, which hasn't been loads, but, you know, they're often questions that I've wondered myself and, you know, had similar sort of thoughts. So I think probably everyone does have the same sort of, you know, questions and, and queries around the, the lipid medicines. So you're not on your own, folks. No. <laughs> Catherine, what about you? What's really stood out for you in a sentence? Um, the enthusiasm of everybody today. Thank you so much for coming along and thank you for putting so many questions in the chat box. It's fantastic. It's really great to um, to understand what's happening out there. Um, and, and such so many different questions, I think, I think is, uh, um, you know, been highlighted today for me. Brilliant. Nicola. Well, uh, exactly what Catherine said. Thank you for stealing my thunder, Catherine. Um, but no, exactly that. It's we've clearly hit a topic. And I think I would say that that everybody who's attended and yes huge numbers maxine it's clearly really great to see that you've given us loads of things to be taking forward so thank you to everybody that's thrown in questions i'm sorry if we haven't managed to answer all of them i know we haven't there's no if about it but let's see what we can do and where we can take this great so i am just going to thank Emma Fallows for the tech, for Catherine, Claire and Maxine, our panellists, for my fellow colleagues Nicola and Racky for putting this on on the couch with us, for Liz and uh, Kavan who have been uh, putting specialist stuff in along with Dolly and for you our lovely attendees. Thank you so much. We will be in touch. There is more to do um and uh really really hope that we will see you again on another webinar soon so um just before we stop the record button i'm going to ask the panelists to stay on just for a moment for a debrief but from me have a good christmas and bye-bye for now